welcome to our best intro yet on <laughs> the Going to Gigs podcast <laughs> with myself, Gregory Harrison, Elliot Marius, Graham Jordan cannot be with us tonight, but we have special guests, Will Pound and Eddie J. Thank Woo. you for coming, Hello. guys. How are you doing? That was amazing. Well, that, was amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. Thank you very much. The, definitely the best intro we've ever had. That was by far. And I managed <laughs> to get through that whole intro. intro. Ever had. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah there we go. And I didn't fuck up the intro either. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a price. Price is for Greg. <laughs> you win a you bit of Chibata. Yeah, Chibata. Chibata here. all round. We'll save the crusty bit for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> oh, bad jokes, honey. It's starting already. Woo. Fantastic stuff. Oh, guys, it's nice to see you back. Yeah. Back we, in Guernsey? Yeah, back in Guernsey. Eddie came last year, didn't you, on your own? Uh, yeah, I did a solo concert at uh, La Cache Farm, where we're playing again this yeah, year, tomorrow playing. night, in fact. Yeah, and nice. it's so I just photographed a wedding at La Cache Farm oh, last really? weekend, too. Oh, really? They were yeah. talking about that, weren't they, earlier uh, on? They were, yes. Uh, was, it, was it a nice wedding? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's beautiful, yeah. that place. We were just so talking nice. like earlier about like the acoustics in there. Um... It's taken 20 years to restore that place it's a national trust building mm. and uh, there's a lot of love gone into it it's beautiful absolutely stunning yeah, yeah. it's gorgeous I love all those like all the creaky floorboards upstairs yeah. and everything <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's like perfect place to play it's like yeah, real yeah. intimate like mm. Oh. They, they had uh, Nessie Gomez playing as uh, the bride walked down the aisle it was just absolutely <laughs> oh. it, was, it was so magical I welled up a little bit and <laughs> yeah, I, I don't that. normally well up at these things oh but, Elliot Give him a bit of wine and he's, he's off. <laughs> so, for anyone who doesn't know you guys, can you give us a bit of introduction? Uh, yeah, my name's Will. I'm, uh, I'm a harmonica player. That's my job, which is quite a bizarre job, but, <laughs> you know, it yeah. pays the bills most of the time. And I'm about to buy a house, so it, it hopefully will pay the bills. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and um, I sort of started playing about, oh my God, 21 years ago now. Playing harmonica yeah. and uh, yeah, when I was ten. In fact, it's a little story about that. Basically, the reason why I started playing the harmonica uh, was through health reasons rather than music. So I had open heart surgery when oh, I was. Wow. Uh, I was well, yeah, a few days old. Basically, I was born without a pulmonary valve. Uh, it's a bit scientific, but yeah. But basically, that was it, and so I couldn't really breathe, which wasn't great. A great start in life. Do you, uh, so, do you normally breathe through your heart? Uh, no, no. I just <laughs> I through my ass. Uh, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's uh, yeah, great. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyway, I can't. Yeah. So anyway, when I was about ten, my breathing still wasn't great, and uh, through my ass, and uh, my dad gave me a harmonica, and uh, said, "Why don't you just try that." And it wasn't really on doctor's orders or anything, but you know, so so anyway, I had a go, and I ended up taking quite a liking to the instrument, and um, and then proceeded to annoy my neighbours for the next <laughs> three or four years, doing four hours practice a day, and I still do wow. about four hours a day now. Really? Yeah, because you kind of, you know, obviously when you're gigging, it's a bit harder, but like you know, at home, I'd be practicing. But if the heart, I also played a squeeze box as well, loading, and. Um, yeah, over across the day, I'll do about four hours practice. But well, you have to because you need you need to keep up. To keep up as someone yeah. that's at quite a high level, yeah. What is your sort of practice routine? Can so you take us quite, that? So yeah, so like my practice routine, it's quite interesting. So sometimes I play like one note. So let's take I'll take a heart and I'll just play like, but I'll practice like the tone of it for like I don't know twenty minutes, 
and then like or bend the note as well so I practice bending notes obviously on the harmonica and then, and then Lem's playing different keys so anyway my practice structure is basically start with that then I do some scale practice and then I yeah and then I do like I might pick a tune that I don't know or something and I just learn it by ear I also play so one of the things exercises I do is to play uh, so I can visualise things so I play the piano at the same time playing, playing the harmonica okay um, you know which is great and it kind of works out quite well because you you kind of then start learning where all the notes are yeah. and on the, on the piano and associating it with the harmonica, which is great because the harmonica is obviously like you can't see anything yeah, yeah. so you have to kind of you know learn it internally in visualize in, what yeah what what's kind of, kind of going on um so that's part of it and then obviously and then just practicing like material that I've got. Mm. going on you yeah, know yeah. and getting that really good and so it just you've also got one of the easiest instruments to gig with yeah because it's pretty good you just rock up with the it's I'm great for flying with flying your case here is assholes. amazing <laughs> <laughs> to be honest like, isn't it like Neil Young that talks about that yeah. on his show he says like oh, I thought yeah. I'd take up Monica because it would be a cheap instrument to start Honestly, and I have to buy loads of new it clothes really is helpful. <laughs> it really is helpful because like when, I, when I've come over to Guernsey before I've had my melodeon with me I didn't bother this time just because of the hassle mm. with Flybe because it's yeah. like we don't like you, you know. Yeah, like, it was, we're going to be. So really was so, it used to be amazing over here, and they would just take so much care of really? all the instruments and everything. And there's a few people still that work there, which will like walk on guitars and stuff. But all of a sudden, they just changed the whole policy. Yeah. And it was, oh really? Yeah, it was absolute nightmare. What was it like for you, Eddie? Today was it okay coming from Bristol? Well, <laughs> my host from last year, who's booked us again tomorrow night, mm. um, gave me. A box, a big, big cardboard box, which I uh, stuff with polystyrene and old socks. And <laughs> so I've been putting my, my old socks, not Eddie's. No. <laughs> so I've been putting my accordion in the hold, and it's still not broken. So. Really? Oh. I've been putting it in the hold today. That's really yeah. brave. But they're tiny planes, you know. So so it's not like they're in a deep pressurized cabin or anything. No, but, yeah. the, but it's also the worry of them chucking it about a bit and yeah. knocking something loose inside there, which is. Well, I repair accordions as well. In fact, oh, really? Last <laughs> week I repaired an accordion. The, the guy forgot to, to close the boot and he pulled away and the accordion, eight grand accordion, fell out of the, <laughs> the back of the car as they're pulling off, round a corner, the whole keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it in two pieces. Anyway, so, so, um, so I repaired it. I glued it together. I, I strapped it together Duck with inner tubes, <laughs> inner tubes from a bike because they stretch. Yeah. So it's better than like a clamp. Anyway, so I, I glued it together and the thing's playing as it always did. And, uh, so Aren't they impossible to repair as well? Well, the, like, the reeds in them are really hard to... It takes me a month to tune it. Really? Wow. It's, That's it's incredible. I remember coming over to... Um, I was in London once and I thought they had put it gone in a soft bang. I hadn't got my guitar in a hard case. And you've got the conveyor belts that go round, you know, the bit that comes out the middle and that shoots up and all your luggage flies out on the one. And I expected my luggage to come out of there and to collect my guitar from Fragile. And all of a sudden, a guitar flew out, hitting the top of the neck down the bottom. And I had quite a few looks from. Ouch. Not very happy parents next to me as quite a few swear words were let loose. But just thankfully, just a knock. But you do see those horror stories, don't you? People, oh, yeah, people with, with violins or violins was it the, or the uh, cello that was being used as a rugby ball outside of uh, Heathrow Airport what? video no, as they started throwing it really? to each other. <laughs> oh <laughs> got my caught god! On camera and you think, oh, oh god. god, you really don't realise how much that costs. <laughs> no, I mean it's yeah. quite. And, and, and how much it means. 
means to someone as well. Like, yeah, how yeah. much of a connection you have with your instrument and how, yeah. like, you know, in tune you are with that one particular thing. And if they're chucking it around like it's yeah. just a toy, it's really, yeah. And you really, where did, where, where did it all start? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm a bit older than Will. I'm 42 years old. I started are you really? When, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I started when I was eight. So I, I, I've been playing for a long time now. And uh, it's taken me this long, and I still can't play the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I heard. <laughs> not, not the way that I. I'm imagine. saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Has it always kind of been then like trad blues folk? Was, no, I, was... I, I grew up in a folk um, folk family, and then got into jazz when I was in university. Yeah. Uh, studied piano, learned to read music, played in a brass band because I grew up in Wales, and everyone has to play. It's sort of uh, yeah the thing. Yeah, <laughs> you can't not live in Wales and not play in a brass band. So I played tuba, and then. Uh, gave it up as soon as I left Wales. <laughs> as soon as you were allowed to. <laughs> Cross the border. Cross the, the border. You left the tuba there at the border. Literally, yes. <laughs> uh, we, we, we often ask this to a lot of bands, but um, did you ever have a, a first band, first band name? Any uh, weird band names? Or yeah, like, yeah. We've had some metal artists on which had some I'd, interesting uh, names. Living the life of Riley. That was my, oh, that's a cool name. Yeah, nice. that was yeah. at college. So when I was, I mean, it was funny actually. We it was quite an interesting kind of band, like loads of influences, obviously. And um, we had a guy. We had fact. We had a guitarist called James Blunt. He was a singer. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was really not the James Blunt. No, no, not the James Blunt. No, but there was this guy called James Blunt. And um, in fact, what's really nice is that a couple of people from that band they've gone on and, and playing. It was there's one drummer who's playing with the Pet Shop Boys now. Oh, so, really? Pet yeah. Shop Boys. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So like, it's really cool. Like, since you know progressing whatever but yeah that was a fun band we did, and we did do quite a few it was quite funny because the college kind of like set, we were just like a year group kind of it was only mm. eight of us in this year group at college doing music and um, yeah we ended up doing quite a few gigs and I really enjoyed it and it was kind of like a, it was kind of pop pop kind of stuff you know but then with like folky kind of influences and, yeah, and yeah. so we had like I remember it vividly we had me doing sort of more folky stuff then we had a, a sax player who's like more of a classical kind of player and then we had a, a pop kind of acoustic pop guitarist then we had a rock drummer and yeah and James Blunt on, on guitar <laughs> and, uh, and then we had whining vocals yeah <laughs> and then like a, a death metal head like kind of doing bass and stuff so it was quite an interesting <laughs> mix I used to look and then we all got on really well you know, which was great, and so we did quite a few gigs. We sold out quite a few places and stuff, which cool. was lo- lo- you know, locally. Yeah, yeah. Um, As a first I, band. I, yeah, because I think that awesome. there was good promotion, and also the the kind of the name of the band. People were just like kind of intrigued. They were like living the life of Riley. What's this? <laughs> you know, so the name good. goes a long way. Mm. Yeah. We had a discussion with someone the other day about how certain bands are just not rooting to get. <laughs> play certain venues when they have certain names. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> they just no, no, it's very really true. Them. It's very mm. true. Um, you know, like, but I mean, it was yeah, it was good fun that. Um, but what did you do after university, Eddie? <laughs> well, I was going to suggest um, say that my school folk band, um, two well, three including me uh, members, went on to be fully professional doing oh, really? Royal, Royal Albert Hall and big international theatre productions. It must have been your influence. No, it was the influence of my chemistry teacher who formed that band. Oh, really? And he texted me last week 
Oh, wow. saying he's coming to Cropperdy <laughs> <laughs> because he saw that we were playing in front of 20,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I know. And so was he like an influence pushing you guys? Yeah, to... yeah he, was, he was my first band, besides my family who will play, by the way. Oh. But, yeah. But yeah, he was the first band outside the family. What did he play at? Did he he played guitar and he was about 20 stone. He sent me a picture the other day and he's like this whippet. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he's yeah. still playing guitar. Nice. <laughs> That's really cool. Amazing. Oh. And you, so you both, both play professionally? Yeah. yeah. You've just been, oh, you've been, you said we were talking about the festival scene and stuff earlier. Yeah, we're like how quite a lot of festivals. Yeah, Austria recently. Yeah, we've been to it. So we did a tour. So what's really interesting with the the folk scene in the UK is it's very difficult um, playing venues and getting audiences in at the moment. And I think that goes across, you know, the whole scene. Whereas if you play festivals, which is what we're doing, we're kind of building an audience that way and building a kind of following through festivals, basically, because, you know, there's a lot more people go. Yeah. And then, but what's interesting overseas is it's a lot, weirdly, even though we're not necessarily known in these countries, it, like, you kind of get really good crowds. You know, so we have a guy called Hassi who books us shows. So we went and, yeah, played in Austria and uh, Germany and Switzerland and we did this tour. And, like, yeah, there was, like, really good crowds that kind of, almost yeah. all the shows you know which is really good and that's partly for him to be honest because he's built up a big following but then we'd done a previous tour out there and people had seen us and so they you know and so they're they coming of, back they come again. back and and you know and then there's you know obviously new and is that and always the same format are you guys like still so you playing as the duo but yeah you have separate things that you have to do like other bands on oh, the go or yeah, is yeah. this the main I've, focus I've, at the moment I or? guess for me like it's the main thing I mean I have a project at the moment a European project which I'm just started doing and that's but that's more a project that's like you know something that would last like two years whether yeah. we had been working for I don't know it must be four or five been, years well, now I've known well for 15 years we yeah broad stairs years and years ago yeah. and, and like Four years ago, I got the phone call. Uh, Eddie, you busy? And I said, well, let me let me check the diary. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we did a, an album, and you know, and that sort of got a bit a good bit of press, and um, and then yeah, and then I it was funny we had an agent, and uh, to be honest, we were chatting about agents before, and you know, and yeah, it just wasn't great, and so I sort of took up the the, the job role, and you know, it's a bit <laughs> it's a bit of work, but at the same time, you just go. You feel more in control of like the process a little yeah. bit, and uh, and you kind of get a rapport with different promoters and you know festival bookers and stuff. And yeah, like this summer is crazy. Like we're playing like quite some quite good gigs. Playing at Cambridge Folk Festival. And yeah, I saw Cropody that. That'd be amazing. Like that. Yeah, Cambridge. But I mean, Cropperdy's great because it, it you know it's a big crowd. It was funny. I was chatting to the the guy there, and I said, you know, what kind of album sales do you get there and he said every single act sells about four or five hundred cds wow just like that that's incredible just because there's so many people there it's like twenty thousand people that watch wow. and they watch the whole gig you know it's like a non, like the crowd just that's go incredible. there for the, for the music um, all purists yeah yeah <laughs> come there yeah for the music they're not there to no they don't i mean they're literally like it's a i think it's like a sort of a big hill and everyone just sits on it so where is this for people that are listening as well that have never heard of this, oh Cropperdy. So? so i actually used to live in Cropperdy. i used to live on a narrowboat there um uh, which is about yeah about six or seven years ago and um 
Yeah, uh, it's sort of near Banbury. That's like the main nearest town. I guess mm. Oxford is like the town sort of below it as well. That's a, that's quite a major city, obviously. So, yeah, that's but it is a it's a tiny place. It's like a little village, but they have this huge festival, huge festival. where Fairball Convention are from. That's yeah. the band who run it. You know, you're saying Eddie, you've known well for like fifteen years, but do you find that that's like part of the. I mean, you said was trad, but also jazz. It's that scene in England is it one of those things where you just constantly bump into the same yeah. sort of people on the scene all the time, yeah. or would, is I there would, a over those well, festivals? Are you you sort of? It, it's a very that? interesting question because Will knows everyone in the folk scene, and I came from a completely different background. Fifteen years ago, we met sort of at a, at a folk festival, yeah. but then I went off touring around the world with a theatre company. Yeah. I, I ended up on Broadway actually. But then I had to score the music for the show, and I read music. So what were you doing as uh, on Broadway? Uh, was it? it? Yeah, it was. A, it was an actual show um, where I, I was playing accordion on stage, but also backstage arranging music for American actors who could barely play a ukulele. <laughs> um, and there were three ukuleles in the show, <laughs> uh, and I, I barely played one myself. But I had to teach these these amazing actors. Um, three chords <laughs> and we had to play um, classic rock tracks on accordion and <laughs> three games that's the part that's of the amazing. show you should have got the ukuleles in yeah. do you think that's drawn a lot of we were speaking like briefly earlier I was showing we didn't get that podcast running earlier but we were talking about like style and you were saying how on the accordion you've developed this this sort of your own style where, where you're playing all the different lines. You're playing the percussion and the lead and the guitar and everything you can kind of hear, but it's all going through as like yeah. a duo. Shall I give um, you a 30 second demo of, of what that means? Show me yeah, what it means, yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Okay. So um, this, is a, this is a tango that goes like this. It's quite a famous one by Pete Silver. But then when you get the bellows going, it sounds like this. But then when you add harmonies in, it sounds like this. And then you add the bass. And then you shake the bellows a bit and you get a triplet. Things going on at once. Yeah, that's a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually there's one tune that me and Eddie do sometimes. <clears throat> Eddie could demonstrate it, which is um, where it's the the seven eight one Rakanishka, where I think it's the first time ever that an accordion player does like this. So the triplet thing that Eddie was talking about, where you doing but you're playing it in seven, and so a kind of going in and out on the accordion must be is a nightmare, isn't it, for that tune? So you have to alternate the ins and outs every time through. Yeah. Yeah. That's so seven. 
You yeah. have to be really vulnerable. So, <laughs> yeah. so you really do fill up. I mean, the accordion's got such a presence. It's anyway. got, a it's got so much going it's on. so many tones going on in that one instrument. Yeah. And then you've got that harmonica with the pop yeah, harmonica it's, on it's, top yeah, that like kind of settles and it fills yeah. up that, that space. Yeah, it does, yeah. Was that like, was that something that you kind of just developed through all those different influences or was that just one it of those... happens in the room with this man here because yeah, what yeah. happens is we play these tunes that are very, very standard um, and then um, we both... There's a telepathy that goes on here and I don't quite understand it but basically... <laughs> I don't know what the science is. <laughs> but basically, basically we both hear this need for something to happen and we both do it. So what, um, that triplet thing that you just heard... One day, I, I, I was kind of just, just getting frustrated with the instrument, and this is, this is standard. And then suddenly this happened, and Will was in the room. And you get three from going in and out, and the math doesn't work, and I don't understand. <laughs> but the most ridiculous thing is Will did the same thing on his harmonica. Oh, really? Can you yeah. show me? I'll, I'll have a go. So there are pieces where we both do triplets at exactly the same time because we know when it's going to happen. Mm. Mm. Um, the frustrating thing, they think it's all Will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you say it's like he's... You're too synchronised. But there's always <laughs> bands like that yeah. where you think there's someone else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it is fake. That's the right word, it's synchronised. So people just, at some point, they don't know what, what is the accordion, what is the harmonica. But that, that's brilliant. That just, yeah, yeah. just shows how in harmony you guys are. Yeah. And also there's like, things like, for example, where... I'll have to play low down because Eddie's playing up higher up, or you know. So I have to sometimes take over the percussive kind of thing. There's a tune. Uh, a good example is um, Barberini's Tambourine, where Eddie said, "Well, just I'll quickly demonstrate it." So like where I go from basically playing the melody, and then Eddie does like a kind of an accordion solo. So should we just play the B music, and then go straight in? Like drum and bass, man. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that kind of feel. You kind of, I have to take you do quite a sort of beatboxy style. Yeah, of, of I mean, I'm not a beatboxer, but it's kind of like mouth percussion. Yeah, I've, like I've seen, beatbox. I've seen people do that with, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people do that with like flute and stuff before, but never with a harmonica. Is that something yeah. you develop well, yourself? Well, it's quite interesting. There's a guy you should go and check out a guy called Philip Henry. Um, he's a friend of mine, and he. He's an actual beatboxer who plays harmonica. He's a good harmonica player as well, and he like he does that. I and mean, I'm just kind of like a cheap version. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think the difference is yeah. But I mean, I think what we kind of kind of try and do is sort of swap the roles a little bit. So I mean, I can't play loads and loads of chords on here, but there's you know this I'm kind of limited, but. You know, obviously I played the melody, I played the sort of percussive side, and then obviously there's like there's little things you can do like um, you know like you know stuff like that that kind of fills the gap with the. Can recording. I cut in here? Yeah. So <laughs> harmonicas are like limited, and and that's the fun. That's what we're facing. We have very limited instruments. I mean, mm. certainly Will does because he doesn't even have all the notes on his harmonica. So what he has to mm. do is bend half of them. 
Yeah. And so when we end up playing jazz or something which requires all 12 notes, mm. he ends up bending half of them. Can we play yeah. like yeah, show us something quite jazzy. Yeah, yeah. Autumn leaves or something. Yeah, yeah. Leaves. yeah, let me just the Bending doesn't mean like he's bending all his harmonicas and throwing them away, does it? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's after they've gone out of tune. But, uh, Shit, I get rid of that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So basically, that harps in B flat, but I'm um, like at some points playing in you know D minor. Um, I don't know lots of other keys. Yeah, he's going around the cycle of fifths. fifths for, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. For any musicians out there. Oh, we we've definitely noticed that as soon as Graham Jordan's out there, yeah. out the room, we we go a bit more techy <laughs> and, and start getting grossed in it. So we're he, talking he, with he's the drummer. It's fine. Yeah, he's the drummer, so musician. he just says jokes. Put <laughs> 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 him. Yeah, so yeah. that's his job. Yeah. <laughs> we, I spoke to, I think it was with Rich Powers the other day, and we were talking about harmonica players, and um, someone was saying, oh, oh, harmonica, you can kind of, you, everyone can kind of make it sound like they're doing really well, and you can, you can define like who's really good at harmonica and someone that's just bending all the time, yeah. and everyone like learns that little bend, yeah. and then puts far too many in it and just <laughs> yeah, overplays yeah, yeah. them yeah, yeah. and then you go you really know a really good harmonica player because they've got one bend but the rest of the tune is just spot on yeah, and everything's yeah. perfect comes out and you just place the two together and it just the yeah, difference yeah. is amazing do you know what's interesting I did I, I mean I haven't done it much yet with me and Eddie but I came up with this technique where you can play two harps at once um, which is which is a bit weird and, and but the combinations are quite cool uh, so for example like this one uh, so this is a D and an A harp. Uh, and then also you can, so hand playing at the moment is like one top of the other. Yeah. And um, exactly in the same place, but if you move them, if you side them apart, for example, you get this kind of sound. And then you can, you know, slide them up and down and all that kind so of stuff. So you can, you can kind of build up chords. Yeah, you can build up different kind of chords that you wouldn't usually, you know, obviously can't do. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it's quite an interesting, t I mean, it's, it's something I'm terrible at the moment, but, you know, it's something I'm going to try and develop. Get a, a bigger mouth. Yeah, get a big mouth, <laughs> that's it, yeah. <laughs> But, That's um, really cool. I've never seen that technique done before. Yeah, I mean it's just a, I mean it's such a simple idea. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, but yeah, I haven't seen anyone else do it yet. I'm sure there'll be someone out there around the world, <laughs> probably in a far distant country. That's. Well, I know you've given it away on the internet. <laughs> Everyone will be doing it. I mean, all of our listeners now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll be stealing that straight away. <laughs> yeah, thousands yeah, of people yeah. that tune in. Thousands of people that tune in. Are there in. any harmonic players on Guernsey actually? 
Mm. We got a couple, a few, yeah. 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 He's played with old they, Tim Shack. Yeah, they, they play, there's a few that play in sort of like um, busking bands and then a few yeah. that play in sort of blues blues rock bands and stuff like that. I've yet to yeah. see another. I can't remember. Who was it that came over for Sark Summer Festival last year? Yeah. I'm trying to remember his name. Who had. I don't know if this was like either ridiculously cool or not at all, <laughs> but he had Did like a massive leather, chest? like cross sort of sash with Pops. harmonicas. Yeah, yeah, like, like, like a, a sort of a Chewbacca Wookiee belt. Chewbacca Wookiee belt with, 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 with harmonicas. harmonicas and in it there. was, oh, I can't remember his name. They were actually really good. Great, like, blues band. Like, really cool. Like, quite a classic, but, like, really Fast good. Gunslinging hard Pop band. Like, <laughs> just a really nice sort of summer. It was, we just hit, they were playing on the Sunday, and all the festival was over by that time. Things are packing up, and everyone's in the Bel Air in Sark, and it's gorgeous weather. And you're sitting back, you've got couple of pints of rockets and <laughs> it's just blues playing out like man you just it's just classic. Chilled. it was just brilliant yeah it's really nice yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were tight there yeah, they were really tight but i'm i'm unsure about the um yeah the it's not belt. something i've ever sort of it's quite like, don't think i could picture you with it i mean if you always wear it it might look a bit like you were playing the guitar yeah what's interesting actually when we meet when me and eddie do our gigs like there's a couple of sets where i have to change the harmonica really quickly so we just change key and i have a little uh pocket i always buy shirts that have a little pocket <laughs> yes. on my chest so that i can f- it's, well maybe it's the, maybe the leather sash is for you yeah maybe yeah. maybe well it, it sounds a great idea because what happens with will with a song with more than two keys is he invariably picks the wrong wrong one well, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. stares at it kind of while he's playing a dazzling solo and then puts it back in his pocket and picks the other one and the, it carries on. Yeah, I mean, oh. the other trick that I quite like doing, if I'm just in a session, not on gigs, but is um, having a nice chat uh, with my with my wife on, on Facebook. You know, At the same time. The yeah, same yeah. time as playing. That's the, the kind of the new party trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good fun. As everyone stares around. Yeah. Going, yeah. What, what you need is like the microphones on the table. You need a colour coding system so you can just yeah, rip that's them out and true. see. That's they yeah, have to look that, at the, that the is keys. also not, not that cool. It's a bit like wearing shorts <laughs> yeah. on stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's some oh, things you just I, don't I, do. But I wear shorts now. You wear shorts? <laughs> no, I don't. We had this discussion with the. It's Love. like it's like having the little stickers on your violin. Oh yeah, you know, yeah it's like, you've got kind of all, all the little notes. Yeah, where, where you, you you know you're going better stickers. when they get taken off, and you can actually have a violin that doesn't have any. <laughs> we had the kids bands in on Saturday, like local Guernsey sound um, kids, mm. and they're all doing their first show for the Battle of the Bands at Chaos, which is coming up in mm. a few weeks. And we're going through, and there's a couple of us that help out and sort of sort of mentoring kind of sessions yeah. but it's going through and just sort of yeah. getting them to know what to turn up with and like things that we all think about but they don't think about which is turn up with your instrument <laughs> guitar and a jack lead and a tuner and all these kind of things and learn how to just kind of how to I mean, sound there's, there's check we talking about sound check fully grown up bands that, that can't story. do that so because it's such an important part and 
getting the kids to sort of realize how their sound works on stage mm. yeah, and yeah. what they need to ask for because it's daunting you're up on stage you're with all these other people and you don't know what to do yeah and one of the other things that was picked up quite quickly is that joggings aren't acceptable <laughs> <laughs> and nor are shorts so you think you're going to present yourself like that at dress rehearsal <laughs> yeah but we we talked about that like that sound thing we were saying like, I was saying I had an awful sound um, oh, yeah, on you tour were saying, yeah. and you were saying that you guys like have to bring the sound desk and there was a story and we cut it because we need to hear this one <laughs> yeah we were like save it for the podcast let's get so, the podcast on, Eddie. tell us Eddie <laughs> so we have a series of tests where we where we mention certain things that should be appropriate to a sound man and his ability to, to know what to do and if he looks blankly at me um, I basically ask Will to play my accordion and I go on the sound desk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like the M&M's trick. Yeah. Move aside, move aside. <laughs> and it sounds like we're being a diva, but the thing is, if you travel for six hours in a car and you sit there and some guy with an ego goes, I'm the best sound man in, in the plan, you know, in the universe, um, and he can't hear that there's feedback on one of the channels, oh. uh, what do you do? Do you do you avoid offending his ego, or do you say, "Can you sort it out, please"? And uh, it's in our rider now that if there is any problem that uh, that, that I get down there and get my yeah, get, and it, get my hands dirty. And it is and it is tricky. It's a tricky balance because obviously you don't like to say you don't want to offend the sound guy who's been there all day. He might have EQ'd the room beforehand. Yeah. He, or some of them don't, uh, but some of them do. Uh, we had an incident of that recently where, yeah, we turned to a gig and Eddie again had to take over, but the, you know, the person in question hadn't EQ'd the room correctly. So any band that was going in there was pretty stuffed, really. You know, it was, mm. it was hard work. But anyway, you know, I think it, it is, it's a very tricky thing because obviously you've got to weigh up what your options are. You've got to weigh up, is this gig re- really important? Well, not just really important, the sound is really important on your gig, whatever gig it is. Yeah. Uh, so you have to weigh that up with, do I offend the sound guy and go, no, we're going to do it. And that, and obviously that's tricky because obviously, you know, a lot of sound guys are, are brilliant and, and can do, I mean, we've had some brilliant sound guys in the past. I mean, the guy that we toured with the first year in Austria was fantastic, wasn't he? I mean, he was... Just... Yeah, some guys have got a gift, but um, it's like tuning pianos. You, you do need... Um, to be able to hear certain frequencies, to be able to pull them out. Mm. And it, once they start asking for numbers, you just know they're not listening to the sound. Mm. So we had this incident recently where um, I was getting a, a, a feedback on, on a bass note, so I think it was a D, that every time I played it, it just kind of shook the room. And I said, can you take that out, please? And he walked straight up to me and said, eh, um, I'm sorry, but that's your accordion. And I just, I didn't even sort of respond to him, because of course it's mine. <laughs> and I said, we'll play my accordion. I walked down to the sound desk. I took the frequency out in five seconds and he walked off <laughs> for the rest of the gig. Yeah, yeah. And then five minutes before we were on stage, he came into our dressing room saying, you know, I was stressed. No apology, no, yeah. but just, you know, I could have done it. Um, but luckily enough, we had a sound guy from another band who we'd already known from a, a festival in Spain 
who said, Eddie, do you need a hand? And I said, uh, yeah, that'd be lovely, thanks. So we got on the desk while we did our gig. Yeah, which is pretty, pretty useful, because we didn't trust this guy, you know, because he could have done anything. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it's this tricky balance. And obviously the it, biggest... It is tricky, because if you, if you offend someone or if you get on the wrong side, they're in control of what you sound like for the evening. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever had it where some man is against you, but... Oh, yeah. The ones where suddenly monitors disappear because they think they're going to have a bit of a play, yeah. and or they'll cut you out a little bit during your solo, and yeah, I've had or some. Or they'll just whack up the reverb. But there's a re- it's a really delicate thing as well because I think it's like if you're good at a, there's certain things that musicians are, you've got a genre that you're good at or the genre that you're interested in or what you play yeah. and there's other genres that I wouldn't like go near because yeah. I know it I mean you I would never... have loved to be in a metal band for years but there's no I mean I tried it it was <laughs> one of the worst things you could ever hear and I, it was it's just like oh, I can't do that I just don't I can't do it and I think that a lot of people just think that a sound engineer is just a sound engineer they just twiddle yeah. buttons but no, no, no. they're they, they know a lot of them know what they're doing and certain sound engineers are specific to certain genres and I found sure. that in the past as well especially with even um, re- even people producing and recording albums and stuff like if you if you go and record with someone who's into their metal they'll make you sound like a metal drummer and a metal guitarist yeah, and stuff. you've got to find if you someone, go with someone you know you've got to go with the person that is specialised in what they do yeah. and if you turn up to a venue that so if, yeah, doesn't specialise then yeah, exactly. so you the get Sage, what you're given Sage Gates head up in Newcastle are really good because they're so used to, because they have a folk degree there and they're very used to acoustic instruments there's a lot of folk bands that you know that fresh, you know professional players go there all the time and they have a very good space I mean they've EQ'd the room really well they've designed it really well but the, and the sound got, we did a gig there and the sound was great it was just so easy you know but some places you go but it, you, you you've know. got the place that's you've got folk as part of the yeah thing so they're the just thing. Used to it. so yeah, yeah it's got better I've noticed it on the scene over here um, from when I first arrived in Guernsey mm. and then since the sound folk festival developed the sound engineers, when I first arrived, especially if you're playing acoustic, mm-hmm. who are used to rock bands and metal bands. I had and the same experience. <laughs> just ba- and then, over the last few years, they've just got better and understood how the instruments work because mm-hmm. it's, it's two it's, different it's experience. things. Yeah. It's just like, experience, isn't it? Picking up those, as you were saying, with those frequencies, Eddie, like the... You, you don't notice that. If everything's blaring out and you've got drum kits and heavy guitar <laughs> tones, you're not going to notice that as much. Mm. But as soon as you strip that all back, then it's so important. And it just yeah. ruins that gig. It ruins the, the show for yeah. the people. It ruins it for you, so you're not into it. And it's such yeah. an important part of the um, Yeah, I mean, it does, affect, affect, it does affect the show because you know, like, that the sound is not very good and you're like, well... It's distracting. It's distracting. distracting. Yeah. I, I have a slight um, uh, advance on that... Uh, a slightly different story where one time we we had no sound check and we had to go in and there 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 was a like a resonant um bass frequency so every time I, I played a g the room shook and so you there, there are two ways of going at this one is that you play every g very quietly to compensate for the the absurd feedback <laughs> or you just use it <laughs> <laughs> every time we played something in G, that house shook. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was kind of awesome because like the crowd could kind of pick up on it and they knew what was going yeah. on. And they're looking at the sound guy and going, 
How are you doing? You know, I mean, we had that. Was that in Ivy? Yeah. Yeah, recently. Yeah. So, like, we didn't say it was. Yeah, we had no sound check. The, the band on before had gone on for ages. And we had, like, I don't know, a 35 minute spot or something. And we went on. And the funny thing was that the, the sound. The, the person doing the um, emceeing was Maddie Pry from Steel Ice Band. And so we know Maddie quite well. And she was just like, at the side, going, What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and it, was, it was really quite funny. Because, and also, what I tend to find with the sound guys, I mean, we're giving them a bit bashing, to be honest, but aren't they? It's, it's pretty bad. There are some fantastic <laughs> ones, but I mean, the ones that usually do the most talking and the ones that I find are not the best, the people who are quite quiet and they just do it. You know, yeah, yeah. We this is what we need, and they, and a lot, and actually, sound guys have said, a lot of them have said to me, we really like it when you tell us what mm. we need because well, they, yeah, because said a lot, a lot of bands don't. don't know what they and they go, oh, we just need a bit of this and that, mm. and I go, I need a high pass, I need one point two compression at the high end. They go, oh, great, that's great. That yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, especially if they're in a rush, you know, a festival. And, and and if you know what you need, like it, it just it them. just this. It, it it makes it more of just a process. You just get you just. But yeah. how do you go, put the numbers and that's is it? Is that because because you're talking Eddie, you do sound as well. Yeah. So do I've you know it. that and you've learned it well? Oh, I, I, Eddie, I, re- yeah. I recorded the album. I yeah. mastered it as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, I know what settings make us sound the best we can. Mm. Yeah. The instruments we play. So I just pass that on to the sound guys. But yeah. you went through that process of like recording I mean you've been recording before done things so you know the vocabulary to use you know what's the what because a lot of bands go out there and they're like, they're like uh, starting off and they Wouldn't think that, that gains volume yeah. and that volume's basically everything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which yeah. it kind of is but um, yeah, but like sweep like this sweepable mids is a term I picked up from Eddie, and mm. I kind of know how it. I mean, I looked at it. Yeah, a I bit. mean, uh, Will we'll can hear it now. I can just look at him, and I I know if he's grimacing that they haven't got it right out. Front. <laughs> yeah, because I'll go. You know, it's like an octave above that. So like the frequencies and then it's recording. Yeah, it's sometimes problematic. It's just the way it is. You know, it's an accordion, yeah. and, and and like so, you can hear like so the so like the main chord might be fine, but then like. The sort of high mm. frequency. So, so the idea, the ideal is you make it sound uh, kind of as as flat and neutral as possible. So mm. there's no one note that sticks out any yeah. more than any other. Any of the other. And yeah. you use the EQ to kind of um, uh, flatten it out to kind of uh, mediate it. And um, a lot of sound guys do it the wrong way. They try and flatter their sound. They try and make it more bassy or kind of a bit edgy or. Yeah. Cut through, and they go yeah. well. The fifth space. Shove a shit ton of reverb on it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've had that. At your gig the other day, yeah. Katie gig. The first thing he did before any EQ, he just smothered the thing with the reverb, and oh. I didn't notice. And I, yeah. it was funny that Kaylee gig. So Eddie was just because Eddie listened chipping him, and I was I, playing. I was just amazed. You know? <laughs> and and, uh, and it was really funny. Like I said to the guy, I said, "Oh, can you put a spike in in the bass?" And it just went over his head, didn't it? And it was just like. I knew it was going to be one of those gigs. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ones where you get rushed on stage last minute. No, and it's not. like, you've got to go now. You've got to go. You've got to go. And you're thinking, oh, This gig God. wasn't even like that. This sound, this sound check went on for 40 minutes. And it was just, like, painful. I was like, come on. like, And it was reverbing around the room. And it was, I remember the... I can even remember the note. And I was just like... It's it's this is humming a lot. Can you take this frequency up, please? And you know, and for me, it, you know, it's, yeah, it was just quite frustrating because you know, it, it, it was quite funny. We had a similar issue uh, to you as uh, at the St James gig at the St James Festival, 
um, where we had a resonant frequency in the bass amp because we uh, we play very different genres. You know, Stoner Doom it's really like heavy stuff. Well, but, they're quite similar. But. <laughs> yeah, it's similar. <laughs> but um, yeah, we we would smash it out and and it, like apparently the the guy who runs it was saying John he was he was saying he went outside and he saw the stained glass window rattling <laughs> yeah. whenever I played a certain note. So yeah. they had to go through the desk and sit there and like work out what frequency it was that was like so we shaking blow all, all the, the windows. Glass. You know, several hundred years old. <laughs> stained glass windows that were just going to smash if we kept going that, so like, if we play there next year Eddie yeah. <laughs> we'll we can smash the stained glass we'll try we'll try aim for I'm that I think how it's, I don't know if it's it's easy to kind of say but it's quite nice speaking speaking to people that when you've got that technical side how what would could you say to be able to for anyone else that's kind of looking at that to let me put this better if if I'm someone that still learning how to get the right sound from the stage or ask the right sound engineer what I'm looking for, what is the best way to know that? From not just sort of listening, you know what you're listening to, but is it like sitting next to a desk for a while and working with that desk? Or is it kind of just sitting next to your amplifier and playing with what is tone, bass, treble and and figuring that out? Or is that just because it's just the blatant practice of knowing what it is or is it an instinct kind of thing is there a way of learning it there there is a a way of learning it Um, and it's not that hard so the way that I I will do it on stage I'll ask Will to play a scale up and down all the way up you know and I'll uh, not necessarily kind of um, automatic scale you know I'll say can you play up high or down, down low but if he played a scale all the way up his harmonica and there were like three notes right at the top that were just twice as loud as every other note, I would um, find those notes using the mixing desk, what I call a sweepable mid, and I pull them out. Mm-hmm. So it. on those, yeah. so what you're, excuse me, so what you're saying is, as the musician, you need to know your scale, to know whereabouts they're gonna rest, to be able to ask the sound engineer where they're. Exactly, so I, very often when I get a sound engineer who doesn't know how to, to listen to for this sort of thing, I'll actually go no higher, no lower. It's like play your cards right. <laughs> so, and he'll say, is this the one? I'll say, no, no, it's, it's the harmonic below that. And he'll kind of dial it down a bit. And I'll go, yeah, because then the room starts shaking. Mm. I say, pull that one out. And he does. And I go, thank you. But sometimes they don't know what pull that one out means. Sometimes we've had... <laughs> wow. Where we've had that before, yeah. where they find it, <laughs> and where they enhance it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull it out. Yeah, you wanted to have more of that, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like to be strict, finding that like nice balance of um, being trying to be nice but also <laughs> being? Do you wait till you get paid, like we did the other day? We were saying anything. Do you I know it's a tricky balance, and, I, and, and I've lost sleep over it. Going, you know, am I allowed to tell people how to do their job? Oh. But to be honest. It's got to the stage now where where I'm that sort of definite about what it is. They just sort of go, oh gosh, he knows what what he's on about. What he's on about, yeah. We have five minute sound checks. It's it's you know however painful it is for their egos, it's over in five minutes. It's not a forty minute sound check, not usually. No. Mm. And I've travelled a long way, and it it's really. You've important. got it. Do you think you develop that though with the with the experience time? Yes. Like if you look back to your first sound checks and think. I'm thinking about this for listeners that are there and we, we've been going through this whole thing with a lot of the younger bands and not just the younger bands but 
trying to say to other bands about soundcheck and how there's a lot of bands that turn up there's a lot of bands that don't, don't give a know shit what about they're soundcheck. doing and just... that just it ruins everything like yeah. it's such an important thing and I there's also that thing of the sound man no matter what the sound man thinks the volume level is it could always be yeah. down because he's done about 20 great gigs that week and has no ears left <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, well, I mean, there's one more point about sound checks. The, the big amateur mistake is if they can't hear themselves, they ask for more of themselves in the monitor. Mm. Yeah. Now, what that does, it creates the, the volume on stage. Um, to, it, it's, there's far too much volume on stage and then feedback happens anyway. So if mm. I hear that happening, I turn around and say, turn the monitors off yeah. completely. And then the feedback stops, I can hear Will acoustically and anyone yeah. else it's very different if you're in a non-amplified band though that's yeah that's, that's, it's a lot easier to hear each other on stage but if you've, you've got a lot of other amplifiers blowing which you have to have yeah that, that's a it's a very that, different well, game, I think it, it goes back to that core root of also if you're getting that feedback to a certain mm. level and it's going and everyone's just cranking everything higher and higher and higher yeah it's absolutely. better to go strip everything back down yeah and go from from that and, and base, sort of build yeah. it up rather than just adding and everyone tweaking there. Yeah, yeah. But it was a, we, we did a rehearsal the other day with a trombone player, didn't we, Eddie? And he was chatting to us about that where he was doing a gig. Yeah, he mm. was a bit like me. You know, he played piano, he did sound, and uh, he, he would get irate with sound guys too. But when he was playing, I found that um, the frequencies of his trombone were, were like a, a really fat bell curve and they sort of smothered everything. And I realised I couldn't hear Will anymore, even though we were all playing acoustic. Mm. Mm. And there were, there were no amplifiers involved. So I basically turned around to her and said, can you use a mute, please? And he was sort of offended at first. Yeah. Because am I playing too loud? You know, I'm sensitive to music. And it wasn't a volume thing. It was a frequency thing that I just needed the note that he was playing just to be that note that was really thin and not this big wide thing that covered everything else yeah, yeah. he was playing. Mm. It's a texture thing as well, a isn't texture it? Texture yeah. And yeah. it worked a treat. And, he, and he, he sort of said, well, I think the trumpet player should play with meat as well. But I wasn't having the same problem with the trumpet player because he was playing really finely in a different register. I just needed the trumpet yeah, player yeah. to spread less. I think it's that... You've got to balance out the ego. It's got to be the best result, the best sound mm. you could do as an overall. And if that means that you need to turn down or you need to get, yeah. or even having the right gear. I mean, we've talked about it. I bought a new amplifier. <laughs> Did you? Let's hear a story and, of the new amplifier, Greg. Um, <laughs> we were, we, we've been going on about it. There's, um, there's a local uh, person who does the Yellow Rock apps. Yeah. Um, uh, who are amazing. We've, I've just tried one out and they've yeah. got like preamps they've got nice. the valve sound but you Super can get nice. that low um, volume still having that valve sound. Yeah. And I think you, you, back in the 60s you're pumping out that sound Yeah. and you've You've got to get as much as you, you can, yeah. and I. You realize the guy that, that made them. Uh, he's he's actually not a musician at all. He's just got he's just super into electronics, right. and so he just sat there and said, "Well, that valve sound, I could quite easily emulate that with analog and electronics." And so he just sat there and just developed these amps that are super yeah. nice sounding. And so you can play at a low volume, mm. but still have that presence. valve projection, mm. that present presence, and I think it's because everything goes through PA systems. If we were playing before in your sort of open room and you've got that nice wooden floor that's projecting you when you're playing sort of mm. uh, folk or trad stuff in, the, in a small room and you've got that room that works with it and then you're playing in a rock band, you've got that 
you've got the AC30s and you've got yeah. all your Fender Deluxe that are just smashing it out. <laughs> But all tour, I've not managed to push it past two yep. on that amplifier. <laughs> yep. And it's like, I'm not even getting sound because it's just such a powerful amplifier. And it's like, you, you're better off toning down the amplifier, getting less watches and having like that full sound and then putting it nicely through and, and bleeding because you've got all of that amplification. Everything's being mic'd up and everything. You're not just smashing it into a room mm. and having a really good sound. And, and as you say, it's like a lot of people I always find mistake gain for, for volume yeah. and volume for basically everything. <laughs> you can say, yeah. bass treble, don't know, just switch up the volume, it will be okay. When actually taking that time to kind of um, it's tricky as well because some festivals it. you know you've got very short sound checks some of them you get like a whole hour some of them you get some of them like some one, of them is as minutes. you start playing yeah they will yeah. start, start tweaking your sound and by the way they're a hugely important part of the process mm. because the booker will be listening the sound guy will be listening our best sound checks we actually put on the performance and if we get the sound guy clapping at the end of it we know we're on a good one yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's really cool yeah. and by, it's the, true. by the way today I think we got rebooked on the on the strength of our sound check yeah, <laughs> it's acoustic, it's acoustic so you know it's great yeah, yeah. we've always thought we should do something like really death like play Wonderwall at the beginning but really badly <laughs> <laughs> and do that as a sound check and then just wait till they see us live and do yeah, something yeah. completely different <laughs> I usually play sometimes but I'd play something like Play Days or something like that or, or Postman Pat Postman Pat Thomas the Tank Thomas the Tank that yeah. do you know that's a really it's a hard cult, tune it's a cult hit yeah, yeah. Really, have you ever yeah. tried playing that tune I've never it tried playing Postman Pat can, can no you, not Postman Pat uh, no, Thomas no, the Tank can you smash them out for us absolutely no no <laughs> not without a lot of practice the thing is Will everything's hard on it's just one of those instruments that yeah, does kind of. Uh, yeah, in fact, there's a tune I do play, Sweet George Brown, on and and on the hut. And uh, do you want to play it? Just I, so I'll have a I'll have a go. I mean, it's been a little while, but um, yeah, do you want to play it with me? It's just a couple of verses. Yeah, just a couple of verses, and um, once I found the right heart, too bloody many of them on here. Uh, yeah, that's the problem. It's just, <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I know, labels, yeah, colour labels, colour labels. For example, so it's not first, cool, but it looks. It works. <laughs> so this, I'm playing a G like diatonic harp, but the first run is E major. So I have to learn to play an E major on the G harp. That's four oh. sharps. Four sharps. Th- three more than that harmonica's got. <laughs> so just as Graham's not here, it gets yeah. well tacky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to have a go? So basically, the chords are E major, A major, D major, and, and so on and so on. But like, yeah, A major is like. So I had to learn how to play like a scale of A major, but on a G harp. So that's yeah, the, that, the point being that those notes don't exist. Don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're bending uh, on the blow as well as on yeah. the sub. 
So that that's kind of a you're bending on the blow, are you? Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I am. Oh! Cheeky. Where's the drummer? <laughs> <laughs> that one's for you, G Don. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this, uh, this has gone a different direction. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, so, and I've kind of developed that technique a little bit. And there's a guy called Howard, so there's this guy called Howard Levy, and he kind of pioneered it about 15 years ago, where he could play basically any key on one harp. So he just has one wow. harp. And he plays like concertos, classical kind of things. That's amazing. Yeah, so he'll play like something like Amazing Grace, for example. So he'll play it like in the normal kind of key on the harp, and then he'll just switch and just do it like the next tone above. Wow, oh. which is pretty mad. But I mean, no need for color coding, man. Yeah, yeah, no need for color coding. Yeah, no need for the uh, you know pocket on the shirt. <laughs> the leather belt. Yeah. But what I found was what was quite interesting about that is actually you lose if you even if you do that you lo- you kind of lose some of the kind of musicality yeah. of the thing you know mm. because it sounds cool. It's not made to play those sounds. No, yeah. and, and it kind of limits you mm. to a certain extent. So like it's a bit like open tuning on a on a guitar. Yeah, you know, yeah, you lose a lot. Yeah. Each uh, harp has its own kind of voice. And it resonates on, on certain combinations of notes. Um, yeah. Especially so when you play sort of blues, you play two notes together and it sounds like a harmonica. Yeah. Mm. If you play too chromatically, yeah. you don't get any of that. So yeah, because it's such a defining sound. Like, yeah. As soon as you hear it come through, and what's it pierces like, and you... You automatically get that oh and what's quite cool like, there it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> on harps is where you get different tunings so like obviously I'm playing like normal tuning like the last one we did but then you get like harmonic minor which is quite a cool kind of sound so Sun, you that know, sounds like so a Rex song right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you, you get do that. kind of a different kind of sound. <laughs> just, just need like a few hours practice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so four hours. Four, so the... I try and do four hours every day if I can. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty mad. Yeah, so uh, you were talking through your harmonica sort of routine of practicing. Do you have a sort of similar thing for the um, uh, accordion? Uh, I wish I did. <laughs> Um, no, I, I rely on something called panic. <laughs> so if I've got That's a really an interesting gig, method. I've, I've, I've heard of that. <laughs> spend a week um, uh, obsessing and playing 12 hours a day sometimes. <laughs> and then for the rest of the year, I just sort of sit around watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> it's great practice. It's I did, I did. Yeah, it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's the practicing is quite interesting because like people have different ways of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like Eddie will, do, as you say, will do like a big rush, but we kind of come to the same. Yeah. Kind of goal. It's just you know everyone does it different ways. You know. Well. Sometimes you, um, if you're practicing for a specific gig, like you, mm. you, you just run through the set, but like there's a difference between practicing and rehearsing. Yeah. Like you know, if if you're if you're sat there working out your instrument and trying new things and mm. experimenting, that's like practicing. And then actual rehearsals is you've learned all the songs, you turn up to your 
rehearsal and you're you're doing, doing what you should be doing yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people confuse that they, they go oh, I don't have to play my instrument in between because I'm going to go to a band practice and I'm just going to it doesn't work just, like that you know you've, you've actually got to sit there in, in, in the in between moments and actually oh, yeah, play yeah. around with your instrument and like experiment with stuff and yeah, know, try out I those think, things that you want to try out during your band practice or during your rehearsals yeah totally and also I think it's like so how I when I was growing up and learned to play I'd actually did it sounds quite strange. Uh, I'm okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't really listen to harmonica players, and that mm. sounds quite bizarre. I just listened. It wasn't because I didn't like them or anything like that. It was more of a fact that I kind of just wanted to uh, get a different sound, really, like my own sound. Mm. So I listened to other instruments. So, like, I developed this technique. Um, in fact, I'll just go and grab a chromatic heart from my bag, and um, I'll show you this technique I came up with. Being fetched for me, amazing! Thank you very much. <laughs> Got um, service, right? We, we have a show, service, right? Service in Guernsey's great. Thank you, Mimi. <laughs> We've come all this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On the to what people think is far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really. It only feels like that because like of the cost of the airplane. But <laughs> what the hell, oh, my lord! Yeah, that's the biggest harmonica I've ever so, seen. So yeah, this is a custom designed one. So this is a chromatic heart uh, for you listeners out there and. So basically, I've had an octave sort of at the bottom made for me. So you get the bottom note's great. Ooh. And yeah, it's a couple Sounds of like techniques. a didgeridoo. Yeah, so <laughs> you get that kind of thing. And then, so there's a couple of techniques which I came up with. So the first one, which is quite funny, it's um, I basically tried to learn to play the Jew's harp, and uh, it, I was frankly awful at it. Uh, so I, I was like, well, I want to get that sound. So I came up with this, yeah, a sort of cheap replacement on the harp which sounds a bit like this and so on so on uh, which is quite good for kind of a compliment or people singing and mm. that kind of thing and the other thing I came up with I worked with a sitar player for a little bit and they play in quarter tones yeah and stuff so on an, so if I was to play this scale I'm just about to play without the quarter tones it would sound like this Now, if I play it with quarter tones, and how I do this is by applying kind of a great amount of like breath pressure to each note. Mm. So it kind of, it's bending, but it's like a quarter bend. Uh, so it sounds a bit like this. Uh, and so on. I mean... I haven't done it, I need to practice that a bit. But yeah, I mean, so you get like, you can get lots of different tones out of like that, you know, but I haven't met anyone that does that yet. Yeah, I'm not, seen, you know, I'm you know. not seen a hop uh, that big. Yeah. You, you've so you've got a, a, a sort of, yeah, like. so what that hey. is. <laughs> so, 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 for, for anyone that can't see it, you, you've got a, like um, a, a, lever. A, a lever on the side yeah. that you can you can press into. So that, this is what, so there's a famous harmonica player called Larry Adler, and this is the instrument he used to play. Okay. And basically what it allows you to do is theoretically to play in every single key. Oh, right. Um, um, so ba- so it's tuned in, this one's in C, and if you push the button in, it goes into C sharp. Right. So C sounds like this. And then you go. And 
and then you can obviously play another keys but mm. um you know so it's quite useful for that and it's it's good for jazz it's good for classical so a lot of classical music and there's lots of different nice different techniques so it's like like on this you can do lots of really nice kind of vibrato so like So, you know. Having that lever on there also adds a slightly rhythmical element yeah. to it as well because yeah. you're, you're pressing that button. Like, so if you do a triplet. Yeah. yeah, so it kind of has, yeah, a little bit of a sound effect going Interesting, on yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and also what's really cool about this is you can do little lines where it's kind of like, so me and Eddie do, yeah, we, when we do Sweet George Brown, Sometimes, like I'll play it on my overheart, um, and this is the most harmonica that I've never seen ever so many seen. harmonicas. <laughs> yeah, it's to sit at home. I've got <laughs> spare parts all over the place. But you can do like little chord lines there. You know, it's, which is really cool. So just and just using the lever. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. great. That's so cool. So it's a very different instrument. Yeah, I, really. I kind of think of them as different things, but you can do like the same techniques, like the percussive stuff, like. You know, same as that. Yeah. Um, you know. Amazing. So yeah, they're fun instruments, but I mean they are kind of different. Yeah, they have a different voice. I mean, that that lever as well, like that adds the sort of key clacks and stuff that you get from a um, yeah accordion and stuff, and like on a double bass, you, that, that, that adds the character of the instrument. It's quite nice. Yeah, and it, and also they can. I mean, how I think of these is almost like a violin. Actually, mm -hmm. you know, they've got that kind of quality of sound which you can get on those, but it, it's this is a bit more raucous, should mm. we say? So uh, on the on the diatonic, diatonic. the small harps, yeah. Whereas on this, you know, like, so we do a tune, do you want to quickly play Oblivion? Um, in a, oh, Kitsella. Yeah, Kitsella, yeah, yeah. It's one of my favourite tunes ever. Really? Oh, well, you should yeah. definitely come tomorrow night because we'll be playing it. I absolutely adore it. It's like, what, one of my favourite albums is uh, Richard Galliano's Gisela Forever. <laughs> and it's a stunning piece. We used to play it with um, my mother's boyfriend now. Oh, really? In the band. <laughs> we won't get involved in that. <laughs> uh, we, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you know it was such a beautiful it? tune. It was, do you uh, play it? I, I haven't played very much violin in a long time, but yeah, I, I still remember part of it, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's one of our. I mean, we because you read it, you're really into tango, so we kind of. Mm. We, it's great. It's, it's the only tango piece that, I know. But it's it's such a strong, beautiful, like every bit of it. I love that tango with the way that it like throws back and forth yeah. between everything. It's quite interesting with that because we sometimes play that as kind of very like that. Or we you do that shaky bellow thing, as well, which is quite interesting. <laughs> It completely yeah. changes it, doesn't it? Yeah. So why why don't you just play the top line again? Yeah. And we'll make it less beautiful. I, well, <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast, so maybe do you, do you want to play us out with it? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Do you want to do? Uh, yeah. Should we thank you guys for like yeah. letting us? Yeah. yeah. Thanks guys yeah. for being on. Thanks for coming and playing. That's and, right. and yeah. we'll have some lasagna in a sec. And yeah, really. Yeah, we'll we'll bring your forces and. <laughs> great thanks awesome. very much and for we're going to do this like super pro and actually go out yeah, and go out on some well. music yeah yeah amazing After all this talk about like sound text and stuff, I've actually got to mix all this and make it sound good. <laughs> 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 uh, sure, be fine. All, all on you, Elliot. I'm not going to do any of it.